Well, what is going on, Cross Timbers? It is good to see you. Out of all the places you could have been today, I am thankful that you chose to be with family. And for those that are watching Sunday morning or online, a special welcome to you. And I'm glad you are joining family as well. If I was going to recap the last two weeks of this Defined series, the best way that I could do it is by giving you a quote by Pastor and Arthur Mark Batterson. And he says this, we tend to forget what we should remember. And that's referring to our identity and the fact that it is rooted in someone and not something. And then the rest of that quote says this, and we tend to remember what we should forget. As we refer to our failure and remember that our failure does not define us, it shapes us, but it does not define us. Today, as we close out this series, we get an opportunity to talk about something else that we are all tempted to allow to define us, and that is success. Many of us, when I talk or say the name Johnny Manziel, there are different, see, I heard someone go, mmm. There are different emotions. If you are a Texas A&M fan, you have short-term memory loss and only remember the good things, right? <laughs> if you are anyone else, you go, I, I told y'all, y'all shouldn't have drafted that brother, right? <laughs> because Johnny Manziel had it all. He was the number two draft pick. He got a big old contract right out of college. But then shortly, it's almost as if Johnny Manziel began to believe his own hype. He began to believe that all his success and all these good things and his money and his fame was who he was. And you see over his life that things quickly went downhill because, listen, success was never meant to be the thing that defines us. And whenever we allow it to do so, things go south rather quickly. There's a quote from a great theologian named Justin Bieber. Come on, I'm a believer, y'all, I'm a believer. Anyways, Justin Bieber said this concerning award shows. He says this, I'm getting awarded for the things that I'm doing and not for who I am, which is understandable. I know it would probably be hard to calculate and award someone's spirit. But when I do get these awards, the temptation of putting my worth in what I do is so hard to fight. I am privileged and honored to be recognized by my peers. And I love these settings. And I like the resignation, the recognition. But there's an authenticity missing that I crave. And I wonder, does anybody else miss the authenticity. See, Justin Bieber is just saying, listen, when people scream my name, when people tell me that I am awesome, when people tell me how great I am, sometimes I have trouble remembering that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And sometimes I begin to believe the headlines about myself. I begin to believe that I am as great and as everyone says, and that everything is worth all my worth is put in my success. And he says that's a dangerous path to go down because here's what is true. Sometimes success lies 
to us. Sometimes we start listening to success and we listen to how success tries to define us. And here's the truth. Failure defeats us, but success can make us prideful and less dependent on God. And we start to operate in such a way as if we don't need God and all of our gifts and talents are from ourselves instead of from the gift giver. In just a moment, we're going to open up scripture and we're going to read about David. And David began to make the mistake. He began to believe all the great headlines about himself. He began to forget that all his success, all his blessings, all his worth was not put in based on his success, but it was based on the giver of that success. And we're going to see that David began to hold on so tightly to success, and he wanted people to know how successful he was. He wanted to let people know that he had done something worth giving praise to, and he went down a very, very dangerous path. He began trying to sit on the throne that was only made for God. And can I tell you, we cannot sit on the throne of God. As much as we try, as much as we desire to, we were never meant to be the king, but we were designed to be the son and the daughter of the king. So if you have your Bibles, smartphones, whatever it is you use to read God's word, turn to 1 Chronicles 21. And we're going to begin in verse 1 of 1 Chronicles. It says this, Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. So David was tempted to begin to count the people of Israel. And you might be thinking to yourself, why is that a bad deal? What is wrong with David wanting to count the people? What was wrong with David wanting to count the people is he was taking the credit for something that he did not do. He wanted the world to look at him and go, look at all the fighting man. Look at what I have done. Look at how successful I am. He wanted to take the credit for something that God had done in him and through him. That's when the sin crept in. Verse 2 said this. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the troops, go and count the Israelites from Beersheba to Dan. Then report back to me so that I may know how many there are. Verse 3, but Joab replied, may the Lord multiply his troops a hundred times over. My Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's subjects? Why does my Lord want to do this? Why should he bring guilt on Israel? In other words, Joab was saying, hey, David, it's not about you. It's about the king that you serve. It is not about your success because God has given you this success. Joab, in other words, saying, hey, brother, don't go down this path. Hey, 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 David, don't do this. This is not right. Because I know you want to take the credit for building this kingdom, but this kingdom was built through, with God's hands, not your very own. And we're going to see that David made a decision to not listen to Joab. And it goes south quickly. Verse 4. The king's word, however, overruled Joab. So Joab left and went throughout Israel and then came back to Jerusalem. Joab reported the number of the fighting men to David and all Israel. There were 1,100,000 men who could handle a sword, including 470,000 in Judea. 
But Joab did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering because the king's command was repulsive to him. It's almost like, have you ever seen someone that only talks about themselves? Ever seen someone that goes, hey, can I tell you how awesome I am? You want to punch him in the throat, right? <laughs> and so here is Joab counting these men. And in essence, David is going, look at what I've done. Look at what my hands have built. And it repulsed Joab. Joab's going, you didn't do anything. I know who did it. God did it. But yet you're trying to take the credit for God. David, you're trying to sit on the throne that you don't deserve to sit on. And it goes on to say this. Verse 7. This command was also evil in the sight of God. So he punished Israel. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by doing this. Now I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. The Lord said to Gad, David seer, go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I am giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. See, David's problem was David began to act like a king instead of being the son of a king. And I think that all of us are tempted in this way once we have a little bit of success. We start believing the headlines that were written about us. We start believing the hype. We start believing that just maybe we have more to do with this success than God had to do with the success. And so why would David, who had gotten so far at knowing what was true and knowing that he was not called to get his identity in what he did, but he was called to get his identity in whose son he was, why would he give in to this temptation to believe the hype about himself? Well, one of the reasons I believe is this. We have a tendency to gravitate towards what we feel instead of what we know to be true. We have this tendency inside of us to go, oh, well, this feels right. This feels good. I like the praise of man. I like people telling me how awesome I am. Instead of just listening to the voice of God who has already told you that you are proved and that you are enough, but it feels better to us when people go, man, Nick, that was so awesome. Can I tell you something? And I struggle with this, y'all. If you tell me I did a good job, I want to strut a little bit more. <laughs> like even in playing something as simple as ping pong or something, and I win, people go, hey, Nick, that's a good game. I'm like, I know it was, right? Because I love the feeling of people affirming something that God has already approved and affirmed. But yet, I have this hesitation to listen to what is true. God tells me I'm enough. God tells me he approves of me. God tells me, Nick, I am a, the giver of good and perfect gifts. I know that to be true, but sometimes I don't feel that to be true. And for me, there's this gravitational pull towards what feels good. And here is David counting these fighting men, going, look at what I have done. And it is very dangerous. See, I sometimes believe that success is probably more dangerous than even failure. Because we get this pride in ourselves. We get this swagger about us. We get this kind of pep in ourselves going, man, do you know how good I am? And here's the hard part sometimes. The world around us sometimes 
will affirm that very thing. Yeah, you are pretty awesome. You are pretty great. Look at how your business is thriving. You did it. You built that company from nothing. Look at your athletic ability. You've worked hard in the gym. Look at what you have done. Look at what you have done. Look at what you have done. And we forget that it's not what we have done, but what the king has done through us. And see, I don't want you to sit in here and go, well, Nick, are you telling me that I don't need to be successful? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we need to give credit due where credit is due. What I'm saying is that success that you are having is not just because you are awesome. It's because your God is. Because, listen, I firmly believe that all success is not bad. It is not bad. One of my favorite shows on television is this little show called Fixer Upper. I love it, y'all. I have them recorded, and I watch them over and over again. And I'm the guy, I'm not the guy that says, oh, I can do that. I'm going, I can pay somebody to do that in my own house, right? <laughs> but you see these two people who love the Lord, and they use their success not to gain more glory for themselves, but to reflect the glory of their father, to reflect, reflect the glory of their king. And they're going, listen, our story doesn't make any sense. This success is not mine alone. It is his and what he has done. Every interview you see with them, they're going, we're as shocked as you are, but God did something. Because they recognize that in and of themselves, they would not be successful. By themselves, they could not pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. They know that God is the one who is the giver of the perfect gift. See, David had great military success. He began to put his trust and his hope in his own strength, in his own wisdom, in what he was able to do instead of recognizing that it was God in him that was doing something. And y'all, this temptation is a strong temptation. It's a temptation that is sneaky. It's a temptation that sometimes sneaks up on us and we don't even realize David had just forgotten that it was based on his king and not based on him. David felt as if he had something to prove by counting the fighting man. And maybe it was because he, he felt he was lacking something or maybe he just had amnesia and forgot what was true. But here's the temptation for all of us. We all feel like we have to prove ourselves. We all feel like we have to show the world that we can do it. We all have this temptation inside of us that feels like I have to show you that I'm somebody through what I do. I have to show you that I'm worthy of praise. I have to show you that I'm worthy of being in a relationship with you. I have to show you and prove to you because if I don't, then you won't believe it. I remember when I was younger and I would go to the gym. And I wanted everyone in the gym to recognize that I was working out and I was strong. And, and, and I remember looking back on young Nick, and I still sometimes struggle with this to be real, but, but young Nick would go to the gym and I sometimes would put weight on that I could only get one or two times because I wanted everyone around me to go, man, you lifted weight, good job. And I remembered I would almost make like, uh, like make it very theatrical, like I would put the weights on and look at the bar and go, <sighs> <sighs> go get some water, drink some water, come back, 
I would get and get on the bar, put my hands on the bar, like pull myself up on the bar a couple of times, hit the bar, get up again, walk around. They're like, all right, bar, you're about to go down, right? And then I get on the bar and do it one time and go, woo! And you might go, Nick, that sounds absolutely ridiculous because it was. But listen, I wanted everyone in that gym to know that I was somebody because I could lift some weight. I wanted people to know that they better watch out because I'm coming through. I'm so big, I can't even put my arms down. Better watch out, right? <laughs> and that sounds so silly. And I thought for, in my head, I thought, man, if I can show that I'm successful at working out, if I can show that I am strong, then I will get the approval of man. And here is something that the Lord keeps speaking to me. Nick, you are enough because I say you are enough. Nick, anything good that you have, any gift, any talent, any success, Nick, I want you to understand, that's what I'm doing in you. Nick, without me, it doesn't go so well. James 1.17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. This is a good reminder for me to not brag about my headlines because I am not responsible for my headlines. That is a gift that is from the Lord. The Lord is the one who is worthy of headlines, not me. And when the Lord does something good in my life, the way that I can fight against success to find me is to be, thank you, Lord, that you did something that you didn't have to do. Thank you, Lord, that your hand is on this. Thank you, Lord, that you are at work. Thank you, Lord, that I recognize that you really, really are good. Thank you, Father, that you would consider me to put those gifts and those talents and to put your blessings on what I am doing for your glory. And as I read the story of David, I'm reminded of this, that we all need a Joab. We all need people in our life that will keep us grounded. We all need people in our life that are not impressed with our headlines that we think we have and that will speak truth to our lives. And a lot of those people for us are our spouses. I mean, a lot of times, and here's what's funny. We know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that me and Laura are on the same page and she loves me and that she is for me, but there are moments when she will speak truth into my life and go, hey, Nick, you are not all that, my brother. <laughs> Where I want to look at her and be like, do you not know who you are married to, girl? <laughs> and there have been things I have said to her that just, I'm not going to tell you, but <laughs> where I'm like, you know how, no, I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to make myself look bad. <laughs> But there, there is, it's so hard sometimes when my wife wants to speak truth in my life, and all she is trying to do is help me to remember that it's not my success but God's success in me and through me. But yet we resent that. We go, why is my friend telling me that I'm not a big deal? Because you're not. Why is my friend trying to hate on me? Maybe they're not trying to hate on you. Maybe you're hearing it as hate when they're just trying to drop a little knowledge and truth on you. Well, why don't they want me to be happy about my success? There is nothing wrong with being excited about the success that God has given you, but we have to recognize where that success has come from. 
It is not just from you. It's God in you doing something that you cannot do in and of yourself. So the question is, who is speaking truth into your life? Who do you give permission to hold you accountable? Who do you give permission to speak truth into your life? Who do you give permission to kind of say, hey, can you help me stay on the straight and narrow? And let me say this. If you don't have anybody, a friend, someone, you need somebody. And you might go, Nick, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. I know me, and I need somebody. And if you're anything like me, you need some people around you. You need a council of people around you to say, hey, hey. You are not as big of a deal as you think you are. Last time I checked, you did not get crucified on the cross and be resurrected from the grave. Until you do that, it is not your headline. And for some of us, we're like, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. And that just helps us stay centered and grounded on what is true. Let's keep going. It says this in 1 Chronicles, beginning in chapter 21, verse 18. Then the angel of the Lord ordered Gad to tell David to go up and build an altar. And here's something just to remember. Whenever you see altar, God is trying to remind you of something. He wants you to come back to this place and go, listen, remember what I have done. Remember the lesson that you have learned. Remember. It's kind of a theme in God's word is remember, remember, remember. And you might say, man, why do they always want you to remember? Because we tend to forget what we should remember and we tend to remember what we should forget. And so when God says, remember this, can I just encourage you and say this? You probably should remember it. He goes on to say this. Build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aranah, the Jebusite. So David went up. So David went up in obedience to the word that God had spoken in the name of the Lord. David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. He called on the Lord, and the Lord answered him with fire from heaven on the altar of burnt offerings. Then the Lord spoke to the angel, and he put his sword back into his sheath. Can I just pause right there? It's about to, it about got real, didn't it? I mean, this is a picture of, like, David made an altar, God is there, God is listening, but the angel has his sheath out. And listen, this is not the posture of a hug. This angel wasn't about to give David a high five. David, I'm so proud of you. Look at you building up the nation of Israel. You go, boy. No. The angel be like, hey, you going to take credit on my God? I'm about to show you what's up, right? But here's what I love. I love that we get a glimpse of God's grace. God goes, no, 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 no. Don't take his life, angel. I love him anyways. And here's what I love. Can I say this to us? Even when we let success go to our heads, even when we take credit for something we did not do, the Lord loves you anyway. You are not discounted because you failed in that way. He loves you in spite of yourself. And that is good news. So the Lord pours out grace on David. Verse 28. At that time when David saw the Lord and had answered him on the threshing floor of Aranah, the Jebusite, he offered sacrifices there, the tabernacle of the Lord, which Moses had made in the wilderness. 
and the altar of burnt offerings were at that time on the high place of Gibeon. This is a picture of David recognizing, hey, God has been good in spite of me. God is on his throne. God has blessed me. I don't know what to do, but a fitting response is to worship God for who he is and what he has done. On that altar, he said, you know what, Lord, I'm going to lay down this success because I know it does not belong to me. It belongs to you. Lord, I'm going to humble myself. Let me say that again. Lord, I am going to humble myself. That almost tastes like vinegar to even say it. Because that's not our normal posture, to humble myself, to recognize that his ways are better than my ways, to recognize that it wasn't me, to recognize that I can't do it in my own strength. But David humbled himself, and he laid his success on the altar. He laid his identity on the altar and said, Lord, you are who defines me. And you see over the rhythm of David's life, he forgets for a moment. He walks in the opposite direction, and then the Lord reminds him of what is true, and David comes back to center. And y'all, that is what this life is about. There are moments where we believe the hype. There are moments where our identity is rooted in our failures. There are moments that we forget that our identity is rooted in someone and not something. And the Lord allows us to be reminded of what is true, and then we repent and go, Lord, you are right. I am wrong. Let me do it your way. And here's what I'm learning over the course of my life is that God's ways truly are better than my ways. And let me just tell you, I've done an exhaustive study on trying to do it my way. I have tried that over and over and over and over again. And can I just tell you, it does not go well when I try to do it Nick's way. But when I humble myself and go, God, since you kind of created me, I'm going to allow you to direct my path and make it straight. Lord, because you are the king, I'm going to allow you to tell me which way I should go. God, because you are who you are, I am not going to believe the hype of my own success because I recognize that my success did not come from myself, but it came from you. And this is a temptation since the beginning of time is to do it our own way. And we have seen in the history of the world when we attempt to do it our own way, when we attempt to do it in our own strength, it never, ever goes well. So maybe, just maybe, we get to a place where we go, you know what? I've done it that way before. Let me try to do it another way. Because God's way is the best way. We have success because Jesus has defeated death on the cross, so we are successful. We move from a place of it being done, and so we are allowed success because we have a good father. May we walk that in, in truth. May we walk in sync with the Lord, and may we remember that because of Christ, we are enough. May I say that again? Because of Christ, you are enough. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. It is okay to be the son or the daughter 
of the king because that is the best position you could be in. There ain't no success in the world that compares to that. So may we be a people that get very good at building altars of remembrance and remembering who we are, better yet, whose we are. May we be a people that are not defined by what we put our hands to, but that we are defined by the person who stretched out their hands and surrendered their life on a cross for us. May we not be a people that walk around with our hands lifted high and saying to the world, look what I have done. But may we be a people that take our crowns and lay them at the feet of Jesus because he is worthy of all glory and praise. May that be what defines us. May that be what we hold up. May that be the banner that we sing. Not a song about ourselves, but a song about a good, good father who in spite of all I have done, in spite of all the wayward ways I have lived, he loves me in spite of myself. And may we remember that every good and perfect gift comes from him. May we remember that success is truly found in relationship to God. May we be good at remembering these things. And may we remember that the very thing that God calls us to, he is our strength to take a step to be who he has called us to be. If you would, if you would bow your heads for me. Lord, in this moment, May we remember that we are enough because of you. Lord, in this moment, may we remember that it's not about how many zeros are in the bank or how many people know our name or how many people sing our praises. But Lord, may we remember that because of you, we are enough. Lord, may we walk from that position. Lord, may we walk from that truth. And Lord, in the moments where our feelings and our emotions lie to us and tell us that we are not enough, may we remember what is true. May your voice be louder than all the other voices. May your voice be louder than the enemy's voice who tries to tell us and convince us that we are not enough that we are our failures, that our identity is about what we do and not whose we are. Lord, may we listen to your voice and your voice alone because your voice is the only voice that matters because you surrendered your life on a cross to purchase us. So Lord, may we become very, very excellent at listening to your voice and very excellent at allowing a deaf ear to be given to the voice of the enemy. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that you are our strength to live out the life that you have called us to. And Lord, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.